The Mayfair Theatre Podcast is sponsored by the House of Targ, a live music venue featuring classic pinball and arcade games, a tantalizing pierogi menu, and the best local and international rock, metal, punk bands, and DJs. Open Thursdays to Sundays. Visit them at 1077 Bank Street at Sunnyside, and for more information, go to www.houseoftarg.com. A perfect world. These are for you. Thanks, honey. They're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. Surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. I don't love him anymore. He didn't get his promotion. And he got drunk last night. And he hit me. It's not true. I did not hit her. Well, maybe you should have a girl, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I have one already. I don't know yet. We can't do this anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Don't worry. You can trust me. Who we are expecting? <laughs> I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Please talk to me, please. You're having an affair with Lisa, aren't you? I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. She's a sociopath. She can't love anyone. There is no baby. I told him that to make it interesting. She's such a manipulative witch. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting our friendship. I treat you like a princess. And you stab me in the back. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Hey, Danny. Where's my money, Danny? Put the gun down. What the hell is wrong with you? Shut up. Oh. Hey! Stop it up with this world. The Room. A film with the passion of Tennessee Williams, directed by Tommy Wiseau. The best movie of the year. Experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot. Welcome, everybody, to the Mayfair Theater Podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Mel. I'm Josh. And this is episode 26, I believe. That's awesome. Whoa. That's a lot of podcasts. 26 weeks. Um, I feel every time, so I, I work. Does that mean we're at like half a year? Close. I don't want to get all mathy on everything, but <laughs> uh, 26 times 2. 52 divided by 2 is, is 26. 26. We did it. This is Yay! It's like it's like longer than a television season. It's longer than a high school relationship. When season two <laughs> is this? Is this? Can we do like a cliffhanger? <laughs> season one cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, uh, can we, can I we, don't want to talk about it. Well, I'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> you can't tease our <laughs> beloved podcast audience like that. Um, uh, every time around this this time of year, I work at Blues Fest, uh, pointing lights at bands. And I always feel like I'm away from the Mayfair for like six months. Like it just feels so weird to yeah. to not be here watching movies every two three nights or working on the weekends or whatever. Did you have to work in the rain yesterday? Oh yeah. So yesterday um, I was biking. I live in the Glebe. For those of you who, on the off chance that are listening out of town, is is a pretty quick bike ride over to Blues Fest. Like if I'm really given her like 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And I got about halfway there and. I left the house and it was like, oh, it looks kind of cloudy, you know, it looks like I should make it. 
And about halfway there, like, the worst rainstorm I've ever seen yeah. in my life hit me. And I'm on my bike. And there's a point where you're just like, well, I'm wet now. Yeah, it's done. And it actually got to the point where it was raining so hard that I stopped and took shelter under a tree oh, and texted my boss saying, I can't see a block in front of me, so I'm just going to stop and I'll only be a few minutes late. But And he was like, yeah, no problem. And then we got there and we were doing um, follow spot for Leonard Skinner. And so it was six of us, and it was it was windy, and there was points where I'm like 50 feet in the air, kind of holding onto my follow spot, and I felt like I was on the mast of a pirate ship or something like that. Oh god, I'm we, afraid of heights. Oh, you would not want I no. Would die. We we hook ourselves up to like a, a zip line thing, and we climb up the tower mm-hmm. like 50 or 60 feet in the air, Mm-mm. and then we're just up there on this like diving board with the follow spot on top of it pointed at the the stage. And, um, yeah, it's really high in the air. And if you, yeah, you wouldn't, it would not be good. You, and, but the, I mean, this is a whole other topic of conversation, but, but Leonard Skinner pulled out the, the flag. Uh, I know. The flag? The the flag. they didn't. Okay, but it's like part of their logo. They've been racist forever. But so, so that, and and it's like, (laughs) and it's so funny because, because a friend and I were climbing down this 60 foot tower, like facing each other. There was two zip lines and we're having this like mature grown up conversation as we're climbing down. But I was like, I could, I could understand the argument of like, oh, my grandma's not racist and it's just in her front lawn. And I grew up with this and, and all the excuses, but it's. I totally when they when they pulled out the flag, I'm 50 feet in the air looking at them, and like Rodney Dangerfield style, I'm like, oh, hey, oh, like I what felt uncomfortable. And then when three or four people in the audience pulled out the flag, that's even worse. Then I was like, that's like oh people man. We live with. I love how people are are getting like they just started getting mad about this flag last week. Yeah. And then, and how then, long has it been around for? Yeah, like, like it, I don't think people just started getting mad about it. Just it's, it's just in the media a lot right now. Yeah, because I think of people are really fed up. Yeah, and it seems to be like even in pop culture to get us back towards movies in the in the in the Dukes of Hazard film, the cinematic classic that that was. But they referenced it, like they made kind of jokes about it being there. And from what I understand now, like the the show. I don't know if this is true. Somebody said they were going to go back and replace the flag with the American flag. Like, they were going to go digitally. <laughs> and I'm like, is that really worth kinda it? Like, kind of like what Spielberg <laughs> did with E.T., where he replaced uh, all the FBI guns with walkie-talkies. <laughs> he replaced E.T.'s which racist I think ways. He, <laughs> which I think he regretted doing afterwards. Yeah, I remember watching that E.T., whatever it was, 20th, 25th anniversary. <clears throat> and it's... It's, you know, effects get so much better, like, every two days. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, but they're still just effects, right? They're yeah. They're still noticeable to and, a degree. But, man, like, there's a scene where the kids in the bikes fly up over the, the barricade with the cops. And it should be a guy with, like, a gun in his hand or a guy with a shotgun in two hands. And he had, like, you know, like, a flower pot and a lobster. Like, it just, it was just, it, everything stood out so it, wrong. It's like that Simpsons episode where the seniors' home is watching Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And the ending, it's like, frankly, Scarlett, I love you. Let's yeah. get, let's remarry. <laughs> and it's, like, edited for seniors. Well, I love, there's, I got these. these to be less upsetting. Yeah. Like, I got these great um, World War II Disney cartoons. And oh, boy. Oh <laughs> Leonard Maltin hosts it. And basically, like, every third or fourth cartoon, there's this, like, the same stock 30 seconds of Leonard 
like sitting there looking all nice with his trim beard and bow tie and looking has a little Mickey Mouse pin. And he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he says like, they were different times back then. <laughs> and instead of uh, censoring these or omitting them, we would like to show them these cartoons as part of uh, historical cinema. And, and we realize they may offend for today's audience, but we just wanted to show what was the theatrical pop culture of the time. And I think that's very legit. Like, and I, it's I, like I, Mickey Mouse is at the head of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh or man, something. there's some messed up <laughs> stuff. That's awful. But like, it instead, is it, awful. I think in that in those cases, it is better to kind of instead of just sweeping them under the rug, show them and then go like, let's not do that again. Yeah. What, were, did any it's of? It's definitely important to talk about it. Did, yeah. Were any of these types of cartoons showing up in the Saturday morning? Series? Well, uh, there's a couple that are questionable. There was one that that actually did have a disclaimer in front of it and basically said exactly what Leonard Maltin just said, where it yeah. said, like, this might be offensive. This is offensive, but we're showing it to kind of show what was at the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's tough because in that situation, it's, I mean, like, God, like, so much, every Western ever made before, you know, every every movie with, like, and, like, what is it in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's where there's a scene with, like, a landlord or the neighbor, and it's Mickey Rooney, like, the Mickey Rooney. Oh, yeah, and he's, like, Chinese and he's or something. A, and, like, horribly... <laughs> and it's a weird because it's, like, a throwaway scene. Like, he, he's... If I remember... I haven't seen the movie for years, but he's in the movie for, like, three minutes. But it's just, like... It's this nice, romantic New York drama comedy, and then all of a sudden, super horrible racist part. And that's still there. Like, they show like, that in the, in the Bruce Lee... Uh, biopic. Oh yeah, the Bruce Lee story. Yeah, uh, his white. He was married to a white lady, and they when they were dating, they go and see breakfast oh, at Tiffany's. That. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's sitting there like everyone's laughing in the theater, and then she turns to Bruce Lee, and he's sitting there like really upset over Mickey Rooney's racist portrayal, and then she leans over and she's like, "Let's get out of here." And yeah, then, then they go out for dinner instead. Well, there's one one Saturday morning cartoon, and it's, it's Hanna Barbera, and Hanna Barbera is it's staggering their output because. For every Jetsons or Flits, Flintstones, there's like two dozen cartoons that lasted six episodes. And that happened every year between whatever year, 1960 and 1990. And there was one, and it's Charlie, like Charlie Chan Adventures. And essentially, it's like the Scooby-Doo mold with like a group solving mysteries where I believe the monster ends up being the mayor or whatever. Yeah, the, the head of the, uh, or the, um, the owner of the amusement park. Yeah, and they would have gotten away if, no, it, wasn't, if it wasn't for yeah, kids. You meddlesome Chan family. But you listen to it, and I'm pretty sure it's a bunch of white Californian voiceover actors voicing the Charlie Chan family. <laughs> and you're just like, you know, like, oh, like... I don't think I should be watching this. Like, I think this is wrong. <laughs> and and uh, and what I always flash back to is, or like imaginary flash back to is like being like a six-year-old Chinese kid in 1973 watching that cartoon on Saturday morning and being like, oh, I what? feel like all of media must be oppressive to any people. Oh color. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, well, I noticed, and, and it's it's a thing you that you yourself are not represented accurately anywhere. You you don't notice it. Until and if you, you are, it's, like, very rare. Yeah. Very few and yeah. far between. And, and it's a thing, like, you don't notice till you notice. But I have this really nice tin Justice League sign up on my mm -hmm. wall at home. And it's this really cool retro sign. It's all, like, beat up and cool. And uh, it's this artist named uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And he's this amazing mm. artist who, for my generation, besides from being a comic artist, he designed every 
um, uh, birthday party plate and, and action figure box and lunch box and underoos. So like that is like my Superman, Wonder Woman, whatever. So I, I was looking at this sign, having a similar conversation, and the Justice League is just white. Like just <laughs> everybody. And the, the whitest kids you know. And the only minority on the Justice League is Martian Manhunter. So the green guy is the only <laughs> non-white person. Yeah. And you look at now, and you look at even like the current movie Avengers, um, you, you have, or like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have Falcon, you have War Machine, uh, you're gonna have Black Panther soon. Uh, you, you, so, th- so that's getting better. Uh, but it's it's still we still have a long way. A lot of whitey, whitey, yeah. white, white. I, uh, <laughs> a lot of whitey. <laughs> when I, I just wish there there was this. I think it was all rumor and internet. But um, Donald Glover, uh, mm-hmm. there was some some pull to get him to play Spider Man in in what became the Amazing Spider Man films. Oh. And so much so that they made a joke like on Community he was wearing uh, uh, Spider Man pajamas, um, and then on the. Um, now there's, I mean, this is comic book nerdery, but there's an alternate universe with a younger black Spider-Man named Miles Morales. Nice. So that Miles Morales, then there was some rumors recently when when Sony and Marvel kind of made an agreement to put Spidey into the their cinematic universe. They said, let's just do it with Miles. Let's get a black kid in there. But supposedly Sony in their contract were like, no, Peter Parker has to be white oh and heterosexual. And... Especially a character <laughs> despite like, the fact that yeah, his like, costume is yeah, kind of like, gay. Yeah. The, the uh, especially a character like Peter Parker, like New York, uh, a middle class family, um, uh, a young kid trying to make it in the like. Who cares what nationality is? Like if Aunt May and Uncle Ben were black and he was a black kid, I mean, I, I always kind of say like you know, if if Tom Hanks was playing Martin Luther King or if Denzel Washington was playing Abe Lincoln, that might stand out a bit as a historical thing. Like, that's an interesting choice. That's weird, you know? <laughs> we, but, have, we have photos of this person yeah. that he was white. But for a fictional character, I think it's so cool that to just mix it up, and it doesn't hurt anything. Like, it doesn't matter. Like Honestly, I don't think it changes anything to no. any degree that it would be noticeable. No, and even in um, Doctor Strange... Um, it might affect the set design. There... <laughs> They're, they've cast a uh, a female in a male part, um, and it doesn't matter. Like it's just it's, yeah. You know. but you, like I mean, some things might change about the character a little bit, but like yeah, it's not going to change the story by any means. And then I feel the same way about Ghostbusters. Oh my God, I am. If you're not looking forward to Ghostbusters, we're not friends. Like, I, I, <laughs> Me specifically. Anybody, anybody. To it. Mel, you better be oh, looking but forward to Ghostbusters. Seriously, I'm friendly well, you know, anybody who does I, I think it's, you know, I saw that photo, and I mean, you know, Kristen Wiig is talented, and yeah. Melissa McCarthy, and who else is it? Kate McKinnon from Saturday it's Night Live. It's two Saturday Night Live. Are you upset that they're not smiling? Comedians. Hmm? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's two Saturday Night Live comedians who I'm completely unfamiliar with mm-hmm. because I don't watch Saturday Night Live. But 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 it was Saturday Night Live in the first place. So yeah, oh yeah, what's yeah. the difference? Well, and the thing is, like, if the movie comes out and you don't like it, that's totally cool because there's all kind like like you could have not liked the first Ghostbusters too. Like I I didn't like Tomb Raider, but it doesn't mean you know I didn't like a lot of things when we were growing up. Yeah, like, but with with this new Ghostbusters, it's like you're not. You're allowed to say, like, oh, that's interesting or that's different, but you're not allowed to hate something before you see it. Yeah. Like, you can't. Like, people people going after uh, uh, 
uh, Ben Affleck. I'm like, I am not a fan <laughs> of the DC Cinematic Universe so far. I kind of like the new trailer, though. And, Batman and, versus Superman. And if you look at Affleck... And I didn't, I didn't like Man of yeah, Steel. You no, know, me neither. But like, you, you're allowed to, to have opinions, but you, you, you can't you know, ask for Paul Feig's head on a stick because he cast four women as Ghostbusters when the movie's not out for a year. Like, is that implausible <laughs> that there are female Ghostbusters? Yeah, and I love what he said. He said, why is it implausible for four actresses to be Ghostbusters, but not implausible for four actors to be <laughs> Ghostbusters? Yeah. Like, you know? the majority of people I know don't believe in ghosts, yeah. really, <laughs> aside from the folks who work here with me at the Mayfair, yeah. you know? So it's like, okay, like, what, what's more implausible then? And, and there's already these, like, geek moments that are, like, making me get you know, choked up where, like, a little kid already made, like, a Ghostbusters costume. Oh, my God. And my friend who has a daughter has said that his kid saw the picture and was all excited, you know? Like, so there's already all this great, uh, uh, you know, little... Just, not just little girls, but th that girls can watch these women in this action-adventure film. And, like, for me, when I grew up, like, like my favorite... Like, right now, uh, uh, um, one of the partners here at the Mayfair, Ian, he's teased me a few times over the years um, in, like, back when we had the guide and little write-ups and on the website of, like, uh, somebody asked us once for, like, our favorite romantic films, mm -hmm. and he put in the article, he said, he said, Josh has more female friends than any human being I've ever met. So I imagine he might have a little bit of perspective on <laughs> female-tinged uh, films. But, uh, like, when I was a kid growing up, my favorite female characters, or my favorite, not just female, but like, characters, were like were Ripley and Alien, mm -hmm. which I saw when I was way too young, um, and uh, you know Princess Leia, of course. But it's like these kind of characters, and so it's not like it's anything new. But just in in the new Ghostbusters, we just have four of them. Like yeah. we just have four Sigourney Weavers in the movie. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, I'm looking for. Oh, there's already people like I want to watch this at the Mayfair, and I'm like, it's a year away, but. I'll do everything I can yeah, to make that come yeah. to me. Well, what are they going to call it? They're not going to just call it female Ghostbusters. I think Maybe they'll, just, they'll just call it Ghostbusters. I believe they'll just call it, Why would they call it something Ghostbusters. Different? Why would they even call it something different? <laughs> well, like, all, just the same way that any other remake. I mean, or I thought they might do something very minimal because that's a trend now too yeah. where I believe, if I remember correctly, the first one was Ghostbusters. Apostrophe Busters. Yeah, or it'll be called like The Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Because if you look at like the Fast and the Furious movies... Like, they've gone from Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Tokyo Drift, the only one with an actual subtitle. Yeah. And then the fourth one... Way too fast, fa way too furious. Yeah. Yeah, Fast and Furious. They just took out the thes. So that's what they did for part I, four. I, I'm <laughs> waiting for just Fast Furious. I, I see them just doing that, but... The Furious Fast. I want just, just like, um, like comic book with speed lines and just a bunch of Fs and exclamation points. Exclamation points. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Or just like a sound, like you, you press a button and it makes a like car noise. About to swear, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, as we've uh, publicized anyway. Ghostbusters and cool. Fast and the Furious enough, let's. Uh, we've got so many movies so to chat about because we have I've, a bajillion premieres. We have a bajillion premieres. I think we've already talked and a little I'm sure bit. Lee has booked a couple more since since we've been since talking. We've been talking. Well, we've been talking. Yeah, in the yeah. past nineteen minutes. So um, this week we have Strangerland and Felt. Which are two female-centric Ottawa premieres. Yeah. Uh, neither of which look like they might be a laugh riot, but both <laughs> look like Strangerland. I I really like Nicole Kimmin uh, a lot. I like her too, and I like her like 
sort of one-off-y type movies that yeah. are kind of weird and, and out of the norm. And well, this is an Australian production, right? Yeah. Very Australian. Because it's, it's like got all Australian actors in it. Shot in Australia. Yeah. And it's just like a mother loses her kid or kids. kids? Like, kids? it's like the mist is a sandstorm that takes over city. Yeah. And, uh, but her kids go missing right before the storm hits. And so, and her and her husband are uh, not really in the best situation with each other. So they're like dealing with that while they're dealing with the fact that their kids have disappeared in this storm. That same Sounds storm intense. was in that Russell Crowe movie we just screened a little while ago. The Water Diviner? The Water Diviner. Yeah. That had the big storm thing in it, too. I didn't see The Water Diviner, but I heard it, and it sounded, <laughs> yeah. like, it yeah. sounded like the best sound mix It was so, ever. yeah. The, 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 that was an impressive storm uh, scene. Um, then we also, or uh, Mission Impossible. Mission Ghost, Impossible. Ghost Protocol. It's yeah. got a great sandstorm yeah. scene. Um, Felt, which we were talking about off mic just before, is a, uh, it's a horror... What do you call it? A feminist horror film? The kind of movie that men will have to watch with their legs crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's based on the star's real-life experience. I yeah. Amy Everson? From what I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a real, like, kind like of... Like a romantic horror story? Yeah. And it's a real, like, film festival darling. Like, it's been, been going through all the major festivals and getting lots of praise. And Yeah. Um, so it's this woman who... Uh, experience something traumatic they don't tell you what it is or they show you what it sexual is sexual trauma um and she designs like this creepy looking superhero that's like a got like a fake penis mm -hmm. on the outside and it's her like reaction towards males yeah i guess <laughs> it's a heavy it's like she's trying to do well she's trying to figure out how to deal with her trauma yeah um and it doesn't seem like she has a very good support system. I always think it's... You no, know, like every... All her friends are douchebags. And and she meets this one guy who's kind of nice, but it you don't know if he has good intentions or not. She doesn't, anyway. Mm -hmm. She's obviously weary because she's... Every time people say there's no originality in Hollywood anymore, and they just use the kind of Hollywood in quotes as oh movies across the board, I'm always like, well, yeah, sure, there's always going to be a new... Transformers movie or a new Fast and the Furious movie, but there's so many really interesting out there, and even if you not like heavy stuff, but like comedies, everything. There's always so much, so much, much crazy stuff coming out. If you're gonna complain, there are too many remakes. Yeah. Like you're not looking hard enough. Yeah, there's like stuff out there that's totally original. All you gotta do is like go. You go, don't have to watch those remakes. You really go don't. look at like the the Fantasia Film Festival for genre type stuff, or go look at you know, Sundance or Slamdance or look at our schedule and you're just like, there's a lot of original mm -hmm. stuff out there still. Because like felt like, I've never heard of that movie before. That's, no. that's an original concept. Um, so yeah, so that's, the, that's two premieres this week, Strangerland and Felt, two Ottawa premieres. Uh, then we also have Madame Bovary. Which is finishing at the Bytown on Thursday. And that is starring that actress whose name I can't pronounce. That no one can pronounce. And we show a lot of her movies. Yeah. Mia, 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 Mia W with a lot of syllables. Yeah, but she was her her big movie or her mainstream movie was Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, right? and she was in Tracks. Tracks, which, which was really we, which really we showed. Good. And this Madame Bovary is like a a literary classic. Yeah, um, we played another 
Far uh, from the Madden crowd? of this not that long ago. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, and then there's been like half a dozen BBC versions or PBS like versions. Madame Bovary is in my head, but yeah. it's something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like a modern... Oh, Gemma Bovary. Gemma Bovary. With uh, Gemma Arterton. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Which is weird. And wasn't that based on a graphic novel? Based on a graphic Possibly, novel, based on the book? Based yeah. On yeah. This, yeah. That's yeah. like a modern day take of, of this, but this this version is the traditional. Is the, is yeah. the period piece period with the costumes piece. and yeah. stuff. I I gotta look this up because I can't get it out of my head that I'm, for some reason, Madame Bovary reminds me of like a Sesame Street thing. Like there, <laughs> like there was a sketch with a cow named Madame Bovary or something like that. Whoa. It's in my brain. And, and, and Sesame Street does like... Sesame Street does, does do like, stuff like that. Uh, recently did like a Madman sketch. So like they do weird stuff like that sometimes. Really? They did a Madman thing and because it was... A couple of the actors were on a podcast I listened to and they said like it blew their mind to see them in like Muppet form. And it was some <laughs> like dumb punny Muppet joke about, you know, numbers or letters. But it was like a John Hamm Muppet and, you oh, know, wow. a Christina Hendricks... Hendri- 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 I can't Hendricks. <laughs> Uh, I'm drunk. I can't. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> I'm drunk on sleep deprivation. Um, and then, what's the special event we have this week? The Music of Survival, which is part of the Ukrainian Ukrainian festival. Ukrainian Banderist Chorus, and it's another premiere technically, although it's a, a rental. So it's it's a that group is renting out the theater for this event. So tickets are fifteen dollars for that, and we have them available at the box office. Actually. And that's Thursday at seven thirty. And then we have. Room number room. 72, which I know because I just did the poster Amazing. for it. Or no, sorry, I did the poster for next month. We oh. already have next month booked. This is 71. Yeah. So next month, I didn't post it yet because I figured wait to get this one out of the way, but we just were talking about booking the next round of Rocky Horrors and Rooms, which will be back next month. Yeah, so this we have is so many weddings next month. So yeah. we're trying to coordinate a couple of things, and I had to send Lee an email because the couple wants to, um, their wedding is at 1130. So okay. Or getting started in the morning, and they yeah. were like, we don't know if we can make, you know, everything work as far as like getting organized yeah. before That's an early the wedding in the morning. That's yeah. an early wedding. Yeah, but I sort of get it. Like you have a brunch wedding, you have a lunch reception, and then you yeah can relax. I don't know. I had a couple friends do that. Isn't there one day this summer where you have like? Do we have one where it's like two in one day? That's the day. Oh, that's the day. That's Man. the day. So they were like, could we come that's in the hilarious. night before? And I was like, uh, I don't know if we have lucky <laughs> or the room, and I don't think you guys want to come in at two o'clock in the morning. Like, uh, let me figure this out. So Lee was like, I'm going to book around it. I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. cool. That's nice. Yeah, we have so many. Like, like it worked out well because our wedding is going to be on August 30th, which is approximately, it's always tough to, like, when you're dating and stuff, yeah. it's always tough to say what your anniversary day is, because, like, what day do you officially go from dating to being a yeah. couple, you know? But it's approximately end of August for us, and so we're getting married on what will be our, be our kind, of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of fourth anniversary. Um, but we kind of joke that we didn't do it earlier, because <laughs> the wedding is, or the, the Mayfair is packed with paid customers yeah. for, like, all summer long. Yeah. And, and, and yet people still are, like, you guys have weddings, and they're fascinated by this concept that we, we, we host weddings here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, well, we don't do much, but, you know, people can come in and decorate, and if they want to do some kind of multimedia thing, we can handle that for them or yeah. the marquee. But, yeah, people love it's the idea. It's mostly just the ceremony, and then folks go elsewhere for the reception. Yeah. 
There was one nice lady at our bank who was all upset because she had gotten married <laughs> recently, and she was like, oh, I totally would have got married at the Mayfair. She just has to have a second wedding. That's what I told her. I was like, you could do, uh, you know, renew your vows. Yeah. <laughs> you can yes. get divorced. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then redo it here. <laughs> It'll be so romantic. But, uh, and so that's what we have coming up this now. Week. But then we keep on booking... Uh, new premieres. New premieres. Like, so many premieres. And, and it's, it's interesting because people... People will say, and and I, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm not responding to the, the most that I can, but on Twitter all the time people are like, are you getting this? Are you getting that? Mm-hmm. And I just basically have a cut and paste response <laughs> where I say, <laughs> I don't tuned. know. <laughs> I say, yeah, I say, people are starting to tease me because I say it's on the radar or stay tuned. Yeah. But I will say, you know, I say something like, if it's not on the main page of our website or on social media, we don't know. And we don't keep secrets. Like, we're not like, oh, we got no. a special surprise coming up in November. Uh, the second, so much so that around, I don't know, it takes me 15 minutes to bike here, so I left my house at 1.45, that at around 1, 1.15, we got news that we were booking a, a new documentary called I Am Chris Farley. Yeah. And I managed to kind of mock up the poster and get it put on mm-hmm. Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So, so that's how quick the turnaround is, is if I happen to be home, or yeah. worst case scenario, if I'm working somewhere else or if I'm out of the house, that night or the next morning, we will get the word out there. Uh, so people say, like, oh, are you getting fill-in-the-blank, like Jurassic World? And it's always like, Check we don't know. Yeah, there's stuff all the way through September on the website right now. Yeah. As and, far as premieres go. And on paper, it might seem like a good idea for us to get Jurassic World, but often it doesn't work that way because everyone's seen it by the time we can get it. And we would do better with a Madame Bovary or a Felt mm-hmm. than a mainstream Hollywood film. So we still do squeeze them in on occasion, but we just have so many premieres now, which is awesome. So one of them is this I Am Chris Farley, which I'm like, well, get ready to laugh and get ready to cry. Because I'm sure this movie is, it's just like all of his friends. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk, I think. And I don't know if he's in it, but like Bob Saget's in it and Jay Moore and... Uh uh, Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, yeah, uh, everybody, uh, pretty much like everybody's in it, and it's just going to be people telling nice stories about Chris Farley and showing clips, and then being sad that he's di- it's he's just died. Be me crying in the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's one of the ones, and then the other one, which will also make me cry, will be the uh, Bat Kid Begins. Bat Kid Begins, holy. And that that's really interesting because I'm pretty sure that was just like a a very grassroots like Kickstarter kind of documentary. And now it has a Warner Brothers stamp on it, which I think is because they needed Warner's permission to have Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's just the story of this this kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, this sick kid who his wish was to be Batman. So San Francisco went crazy and like set up Batmobile and got the cops involved and got a fake criminal. They had the Riddler and did all this stuff. And then Michael Keaton and Adam West and Christian Bale all oh like God. Twittered him and just nice stuff. And it's just like... This lovely, heartwarming "Humans Are Nice" documentary, which is so nice because so many of the documentaries we screen oh are about how horrible, <laughs> about we how, are. how horrible white people are. So it's <laughs> That's nice. True. It's we, like yeah. we've had a horrible white people festival. It's all our fault. Every day I'll see a documentary, I'm like, oh, white people are the we worst, suck. the worst. Uh, but so we got "Back Kid Begins." Um, then we also what day is that? That's the twenty fourth of something like July. that was sooner. Yeah, July twenty yeah, fourth. It's the same day as Dope. It's dope. Oh, which looks the premiere of dope. And it's before Indiana Jones. 
Indiana Jones, Triple Bill on July 25th. And that's only the first three. That's we, only the first three. Yeah, at the Mayfair, we pretend <laughs> that part four doesn't exist. Yeah. And, uh, and then what else? The, the, uh, the other one we booked that is screening as we speak or very soon at Fantasia in Montreal, our friends at Fantasia, is, uh, is it just called Cop Car? It's just called yeah. Cop Car. With Kevin Bacon? It's Kevin Bacon. And it's rave reviews from the festival circuit. And it's about uh, two kids who steal a cop car. But like kids, I think they're like 10-year-olds or something. But then Kevin Bacon is the guy who they stole the car from. And I think it becomes like kind of a, a tense thriller about this evil cop trying to get his car back from these two kids who stole their car. Uh, so that's really fun that we booked that. It's a little while away still. I believe that's in early September. September 11th. September 11th. But it's cool that we're booking stuff that is, like I said, as we speak at Fantasia. So it's cool that we're getting like a turnaround. And we have like another zombie-ish movie. Yeah, is it Z, a... Z for Zachariah oh, on September yeah. 4th. Yeah, with a crazy cast. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's amazing. And Chris Pine and the... the Margot Robbie from the, the, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, the, the, the quickly rising star Margot Robbie, who's in the upcoming uh, Suicide Squad as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I admit I haven't researched this film, so I'm not sure if it's... I mean, it's something about a nuclear fallout or a something and, like and that. And Zed is right there in the title, and I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. a tease, if it's a zombie film or, or a post-apocalyptic film, but it looks it's it's just, you know, that cast alone makes it intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is coming? Boulevard. Boulevard. Uh, With Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. last movie. It's going to be sad. It's going to be really sad. And I believe it's a kind of a heavy drama on top of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not like his last movie is going to be... Jumanji or Aladdin-esque, it'll be kind of a heavy drama. And it's always tough when this happens because it's happened before it'll happen again where a performer dies, an actor dies, and they've still got a movie or two in the can. Yeah. And then uh, often the powers that be are like, oh, what do we do with this now? Because sometimes they actually have a soul enough to be like, we don't want to seem like we're riding the coattails of publicity of a death of somebody but we still have to release this movie, yeah. you know? So it, it's. But it, doesn't it like partially end up in the hands of the family at that point in time? Probably. Like, and, and probably they're savvy enough to just be like, well, we made this movie and we're going to be like, respectful about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's when. It's like inheritance money for the kids yeah. too, at the same time. I mean, when I was a kid, when I was younger, that happened with Brandon Lee on The Crow, it happened with John Candy where his last couple movie, or he was like, he was filming a movie when, when he died. And so with Robin Williams, and Robin Williams was always so busy between like stand-up and TV and movies. Yeah. It's not surprising that he had, you know, stuff still coming out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting because Robin Williams, although he's, he kind of did calm down a bit in the last couple of years, but like he went through that one run where it was, it was Aladdin and Fisher King and Good Morning Vietnam and Dead Poet Society. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire, yes. yeah. And, and then in the last couple of years, he's kind of been doing a little bit more kind of character stuff, supporting roles, but which happens with every actor. Well, he was fantastic. And one of the best performances I saw him do was in World's Greatest Dad. I still haven't seen that. Bobcat Goldwit directed it. Yeah. It's like a really dark comedy. He's like this failed writer who's a poetry teacher in high school and his son is like just totally antisocial and mean and his son dies and then all of it everyone hated him yeah and his son dies and then everyone comes out of the woodwork like oh your son was such a good friend of mine like everyone starts kind of getting 
self-congratulatory. Right after he died. Oh. oh. <laughs> this is a, a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's really great in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. He, I was just listening to a podcast with... Specifically, his emotions were what made it a bad oh, idea yeah. for me to watch it. Yeah. Uh, they were talking with the actor who played Aladdin, who, who is now a writer and does other things around Hollywood. But just even that, like, the remembering, like, the legacy in that, and you kind of, Robin Williams, it, it's kind of sad how soon we forget. Like, he's always Robin Williams, but, but man, he was ruling the world for a couple years there. Oh, man. Even, like... He put out this movie that was awful called RV. We played it when I was working at the Reno Center. Oh, yeah. And, like, it was an awful movie. It was really bad. Yeah. But, like, he still made me laugh a lot oh, in that yeah. movie, despite the fact that it was bad. I'd say he probably made it, you know? And he, I could be totally wrong about this, but he was, if not the first, he was one of the first guys to really successfully bounce back and forth in, in modern cinema between comedy and drama. Mm-hmm where he would do, I can't remember chronologically, but he would do something real family-friendly and goofy like Mrs. Doubtfire and then do uh, Dead Poet Society or then do... And he did some darker stuff like One Hour Photo mm-hmm. where he yeah, played like, really photo. disturbed characters. Yeah, that was or, really uh, good too. Insomnia where he yeah. plays yeah. a killer. And now people kind of manage to kind of go back and forth like... Because um, he was trained as a serious actor at Juilliard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think drama, I wouldn't say easier, but... It seems like more of a challenge to pull off comedy. Like mm-hmm. there, there's there's a better track record of comedians doing drama than dramatic actors doing comedy, because you know like with drama it's you're being serious. With comedy, if you can make someone laugh, that's something, you know. And mm-hmm. and plus then you got to think of like I could be wrong, but I don't think there's as much kind of improv in dramatic features. I think you're it's you're kind of sticking by the script. Where in comedy you're kind of like. Well, they do. I mean, John Cassavetes' movies, it's a lot of improv. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, people kind of, a lot of people misunderstand what improv is, right? It's not making up things from scratch yeah. out yeah. of thin air necessarily. They have a script and they just sort of riff on what the, what's already written. Yeah. And sometimes, I'm, like, I know I've heard, like, with people like Robin Williams, it was like, you have to stop improving because nobody can keep up with you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you, you have to at least give us one by the script because you, nobody can keep up with the rants that you're going on. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's another... And again, I'm always... These Ottawa premieres that we're getting is kind of proof that, that this style of cinema can still exist mm-hmm. in this modern multiplex Netflix world because we keep on getting these premieres. Yeah. Um, and there was... It was it, I don't know why it popped up again, but they were talking about the... Somebody was talking about the Kurt Cobain... Uh, soaked in bleach and it's just interesting that we have that coming up i hope we keep playing kurt cobain documentaries yeah i don't know how many more excuse to play kurt cobain in the theater even just like the last one which i was i was uh uh, what was the last one called montage Uh, of heck montage of heck another which i still haven't seen but it looks really good it was so well produced like just a mix of like animation and concert footage and and interviews and nice and flashy without being too much like style over substance but just hearing the music like just I'm, I'm very guilty of not listening to music anymore because I'm always listening to podcasts and stuff but when you're in a theater you're you're there you, you are it has your rapt attention mm-hmm. and that's why I love that we got to screen 
um, stopped making sense a little while ago. Because mm-hmm. just hearing the music, loud, surround sound, big mm-hmm. screen. I love listening to music in this theater. Yeah. yeah. Listening to music while I'm cleaning is probably my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so music documentaries, and I think... Music documentaries, with exception of stuff like Stop Making Sense, I find can get a little bit dull just because when you're at a concert, you're kind of moving around, you're talking to your friends, there's little breaks. And when it's just that on the screen, I find it you can get a little bit squirmy. But I like them when they have like documentary stuff, stuff mixed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like ages back when we screened the White Stripes Canadian documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were doing those impromptu. We still have it in the office, I think. We? Oh, wow, we should watch that again. It was so good. I'm, I'm, my, uh, my spotlight's in that movie. That's my well, claim nice. to fame. My spotlight oh, is in that movie. They, yeah, they, uh, they show them in Ottawa. They, they go yeah. to like the Bronson Center. Yeah. Do that, like that, an impromptu concert. Does that count as uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? <laughs> <laughs> the spotlight I was yes. pointing at somebody is in a movie. Um, but like that's a great concert movie, and there's so I'm, I I I've, I like that we can I I wish that there was more old ones readily available as and and for 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 anti digital folks the glass half full is that these digital restorations make stop making sense possible and so I keep on trying to like see like oh what's the 40th anniversary of that David Bowie documentary because maybe that'll hit you know like because I would love to screen like an old. David Bowie concert movie or, or that kind mm. of thing too. And I'm sure sooner or later it'll, it'll hit some kind of re-release. N- nowadays people aren't even waiting for a special number. They're just re-releasing stuff. Because yeah. like Iron Giant is getting re-released and it's not like a 20th anniversary. It's like just because, because somebody... Well, that was like 98, so now it's considered a yeah. classic, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's the good thing is, is some of these vaults are being opened up and we get to see these cool old things. Yeah. <laughs> Now Disney would just come to their senses. Yeah, seriously, can they? And let us play all the old Disney cartoons. Maybe take that out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Disney's listening. Oh, no, now we can't play Marvel movies or Star Wars movies or Disney movies or Pixar movies. They are nice. Like, they are... There was this this rumor a while back, or maybe a fact, where, like, they were going to kind of put down their foot and be like... Because whenever you're at a multiplex and you see something weird, like a kid movie playing at a 10 o'clock show... That's because the distributor has decided to place yeah. certain rules on our quote unquote rental of the movie. Which is nuts. Like I sort of get it. Sometimes it's part of the deal, but sometimes yeah. it doesn't really make any sense. Like playing Frozen at ten PM. Yeah, because it's like there's nobody in there, maybe two people. You're wasting electricity on playing a movie to an empty theater. Yeah, and why not? Like, if you're if you're gonna let a theater when you could be making money off of something, yeah. Yeah, yes. if you're gonna let a movie like the theater play, fill in the blank, Frozen, you gotta understand we're not gonna show it at ten o'clock on a Thursday night, you know? Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> um, I think what happened was they sent everybody a letter saying, like, okay, so if you're gonna play any of our movies, you have to play them in all of the time slots in the day Man. for an entire week. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Which is like not Which really means we can't show anything else. Anything yeah, else. Yeah, which is like not feasible for, for us because we'd be playing the same movie for all three screenings yeah. every day of the week. Like oh, it'd be I, crazy. We, the amount of people that come to see one movie. Yeah. We, I don't know. I, that doesn't add up, but you know? And I don't really think that it's financially viable no. for a multiplex to do it either. Well, especially nowadays where they're not sending us film prints. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit easier in that sense. And, and, That's true. And we've been doing 
the one the one brand new film stuff that we do well with is the kids stuff, and we keep yeah. on getting to book Cinderella and Home. There's like random flops, but yeah. like there's random flops in everything else. Yeah, well. but like a while back, like whatever a year ago, we went on this run of like Lego Every Movie and Frozen. Movie. Is oh, it was nuts. <laughs> it was it was it was the glory days. So much fun. And and everything comes in waves, so that'll come around again when the next. Pixar movie gets available, then there'll be another Lego movie, then there'll be another whatever movie. Like yeah. even kind of stuff slightly off kilter. Like I, I, I seem to recall we did well with like uh, like Paranorman or Book of Life, like those kind of like We did well with Book of Life. We did well with Paranorman. Yeah. We did okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of other things that came out around that time too. I don't really remember what they are, but yeah. I, we did well with a bunch of kids' movies around that time. Yeah. And I, and I wish old kids' movies would do better, but they just don't. Yeah. I, I, so, because, you know. Like, uh, say if Lion King was not in the vault and we could play Lion King. Yeah. How many people who, like, legitimately love Lion King yeah. would actually come see Lion King? Yeah, and it's always like it seems good on paper and people mean well and they're, they're all excited, but then yeah. don't like come. If, like, I don't even know if that was an option, yeah. if it would be worth it for us to do that. Yeah, Space Jam. <laughs> exactly, Jam. like, we, so many of our generations, like, quote-unquote, I'm and I'm quote-unquote because, like, I don't really believe that it's anybody's favorite. Yeah. Because you say it's your favorite and you don't. And you don't come. How you dare you? How dare it. you? You're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I do, like today, I just watched LeBron James on last night's Tonight Show. And I swear, all in my head was, talk about Space Jam 2. Talk about Space Jam <laughs> Someone ask him about Space okay, Jam 2. There you go. Space Jam 2. What about it, Cause, Josh? Because he said LeBron James supposedly, and he might have just been like, you do the math, and LeBron James was a kid when Space Jam came out. So now he's the most popular athlete in the world. He wants to be in Space Jam too. I'm like, let's make this happen. <laughs> I want to see Space Jam do Two it. with LeBron James and Bill Murray. It'll be, you know, oh, it'll be good times. That's yes. all. It, it's like, like sure, I'm looking forward to Star Wars and Ant Man. But if you told me space, the for, prospect, the of prospect Space Jam Two like surpasses. Of somebody who, right now, with a gun to his head, could not name two basketball players on our planet. <laughs> I don't know anything about basketball. I don't either. I would very much like a Space Jam 2. Yeah. Two out of three podcast hosts <laughs> agree <laughs> that Space Jam 2. I have no comment. Andrew has a skeptical face. <laughs> would be an excellent idea. <laughs> Next uh, thing you know, you guys are going to be clamoring for a Spice World 2. Yo. Oh, yes, yes. I would like that, too. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. <laughs> if it was like if it was like Spice Girls from back then, Spice World 2, yeah. cool. If it's like Spice Girls now, Spice World 2, mm, what if it's I'd an, rather take a nap. What if it's an animated movie like Yellow Submarine? <laughs> 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 Where it's them back then. Oh, no. Yeah. That'd be so funny. Okay, I'm Hollywood. <laughs> These are gold ideas. We're ready. I, I can start working on these scripts. Uh, uh, I think we got to go. What okay, time is bye it? Guys. Get out of here. We'll see you next week. All right. You can For, find us on SoundCloud, of course. Yep. Oh, by the way, House of Targ. Yeah, House of oh, Targ hey, is our sponsor. Period. period. House of Targ, you will have heard a professional ad. <laughs> but uh, we love House of Targ. We do. They're across the street. We can call them for pierogies. It's really fun. I'm going to get married partially there. Partially there. Partially here. Partially here. <laughs> Gwen's going to say yes here, then I'll say yes over there. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, we'll see you next week for uh, season two, right? Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, season two. The cliffhanger. This is the <laughs> yeah, cliffhanger. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>